politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots yearning to be free once again to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your show host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house here at Blaze TV, your only source of independent conservative news and views. And this is a time when we need a truly independent course of action. There's a lot going on today. It's Friday. We're going to make this kind of a free-for-all Friday, discuss a bunch of different issues that we didn't get a chance to either fully delve into or even partially delve into throughout the week. Obviously, everyone's talking about yesterday's press conference from Trump's legal team and the fallout from it. It's divided a lot of our people, given Tucker Carlson's attack on Trump's lawyer, Sidney Powell, last night. And I'll let you know my my cursory thoughts on that. But as always, you know, I think you guys turn to me for that independent voice, which is always going to focus on a little different angle, a little different topic, even a different issue entirely. Now, as I've noted, election fraud certainly is a very big issue. It's not one of these shiny objects that I think people stupidly focus on sometimes at the expense of the real issues. This is obviously a big issue. Um, The notion that you can never have a free and fair election ever again unless we get to the bottom of this. And it's certainly important that we do not so much even in terms of who is going to be installed in that Oval Office in January, but for for the future of all elections. So that certainly is very important. But I would notice what what I think everyone is missing and I'm going to reiterate again and again and again is this point that we have governing fraud right in front of us where you can't miss it and nobody seems to have a problem with that. The man who thinks he's a woman who's the health director in Pennsylvania just said We're going to be wearing masks till at least the end of 2021 in Pennsylvania. Which, if they're saying that now, that means forever. That's a very big problem. You see, what's funny is there's this split going on where people are saying, can you believe, meaning if you support Trump's legal team, you're going to say, could you believe we have third world style Chavez election software and systems that likely just flip votes and cheat and steal an election. And others will say, could you believe it that Trump is insidiously, you know, making these reckless allegations, um, sowing disquiet and distrust in our democratic system, our democratic system. And you see these comments from people like National Review folks, the thumbsuckers. Um, obviously, you have... Uh, what's his name, uh, or her name, Joni Ernst. She was just reelected because of Trump's coattails in Iowa and trashes him. It's absolutely outrageous in her mind to make these accusations. Ben Sass, all these people. And what amazes me is that they're like, how dare you think that America could fall off such a cliff and become like that? Now, I don't know whether this stuff is true or not, I think they effectively revealed what their plan is. But as they said, in opening arguments, you you state the evidence you plan to show. You don't show the evidence. 
and you're not going to tip your hand before the court case, but you did want to hold some sort of a press conference to kind of have the public opinion be swayed by it. So we'll see. I'm not saying they're going to necessarily be successful. We'll find that out. But what bothers me is the, the notion from some people that this cannot happen. And what shocks me is, look at what is happening. So you have, you have these governors and whatever that come up there, and they're Kim Jong-un now. Right now, they are dictators. Right now, they could destroy your lives. They could do anything they want to you. They could literally shut down schools and destroy the lives of a generation of children with no evidence. And, and evidence is all to the contrary. Everyone's like, I want to see the evidence. Daniel, Daniel, show me the evidence. Show me the evidence of voter fraud. Show me the evidence. But how come nobody is saying, show me the evidence that lockdowns and masks work? Show me the evidence that school closures work. Show me the evidence that you have the legal authority to do what you're doing. Somehow that's okay. See, to me, that's 10 times more severe than even stealing an election. See, if you think about it, I'm going to share with you a a depressing but profound thought that isn't so depressing if you think about it. We often toss around allegations like something to the effect of the fact that, oh, this is worse than it's ever been, or this policy was never done before. We never were like this in American history. We we all do this on all sides where we retroactively put on rosy uh, glasses to portray past history as, as a near perfect in order to demonstrate the corruption of, of the era we live in. And we all always know that if you go back to certain times, you could find some very similar problems. There's nothing new under the sun. Look, when it comes to voter fraud, it, it's been endemic in America since our founding. I mean, obviously, you had the election of 1876, which was clearly stolen from Sam Tilden. You had the election of 1960, which was clearly stolen from Nixon, Um, that's pretty clear from history, anyone who wants to study that. And God knows how many congressional elections and state elections and whatever. It's been been a problem for a long time. Even the Washington Post wrote about McClellan's team cheating with mail-ins in 1864. But I'll tell you what we didn't have is governing fraud to this degree. Yeah, you might steal an election, but what are you going to do with the election you like the power, you like the honor, maybe you have some pay for play, maybe you do some stupid policies, maybe they even endanger our security. They run up the debt. They're imprudent. But what we never had in America was a time when if someone wins an election, whether it's a federal or state election, he becomes king and he could rule over your personage. That is what we've never had. And not that I want stolen elections and election fraud. I'm just saying the irony that's lost is what sets America aside from a banana republic from Venezuela, from all these Latin American countries, from these countries really everywhere, is not that we don't have corruption and mafias and fraud and things like that. We certainly do. But it's that the damage that is incurred as a result of that fraud is much less. 
to give a funny analogy like with an oil spill, whereas corruption and fraud and cheating in the third world is analogous to like the spilling of an oil rig in an ocean, which is just like it goes everywhere. The corruption and fraud in America is more like a leak in a pipeline where you're measuring that leakage of oil in a matter of literally feet rather than miles. And that's the thing. Because we have rights that are defined by natural law given by God. And we have powers given to government that are defined by that legal document at a state and federal level. All 50 states have one, and there's one federal constitution. And there's a limit to what you can do. And while there always were gray areas or areas where people disagree, and they do anyway, there was an understanding that you can't indefinitely and say, until 2022, you can't breathe free air, your kids can't go to school, you can't work, you can't go to church, you can't hold Thanksgiving uh, dinners. That was never, ever, ever done in our history. So I just wanted to give over that perspective. What shocks me is that everyone's like, "Are you? do you think that this could happen in America? Or even the people that believe it did happen. I'm like, could you imagine, could you believe that how terrible it is? And it is terrible if it happened. <laughs> but I'll tell you what we need not speculate about is the corona fascism that is happening. So that's one thought. Again, we're going to jump around a little bit today. Now, as far as what they've laid out, look, I've been frustrated too that they've been slow to communicate with us. Because like, well, if we're going to make the case of people like myself and my colleagues here at Blaze are going to make the case in the public sphere, well, you got to tell us what's your play. What is your statement of narrative? What are you alleging? What do you think happened in these states? Which states do you think you really won and that the votes were stolen how and why? We have our way of guessing of what we think happened based on the data we're seeing. But what is it you're seeing? And I think there are several things that are going to be true here at the same time, which is really endemic of the entire Trump administration, is that you're going to have a lot of clownishness and a lot of mistakes, carelessness, circus nature surrounding certain people, especially a guy like Giuliani. But at the same time, there was fraud. And basically, I mean, Jenna Ellis, when she gave her presentation, she was right when she said that you can't have it both ways. You can't have a system that's irremediably corrupt that we all know is corrupt. Everyone's working against you. So whereas the media, the state institutions would be helping you, the FBI, DOJ, you have to do it all on your by yourself. You can't come out swinging within 72 hours of the election day alleging all things that you know in your mind happened, but you don't have the sworn testimony. It takes a while. You want to do it properly. So, like, what do you want? I mean, it's going to take a while. You got to be patient. So that they're like, look, we gathered it, sworn testimony, and this is what we're presenting in court. So I think there's two things here. There's... The mail-in ballot fraud, which is the more just, you know, bean counting. Okay, this number of mail-in ballots, this number of things. And then there's the separate allegation that the Dominion software 
um, was downright compromised and programmed in a way that mechanically, or not mechanically, but technologically, swapped out votes and had some sort of sort of algorithm programmed. Now, they called their shot, okay? You cannot return from those allegations. They were very specific in what they are alleging. It wasn't just, oh, I think the election was stolen. They, they said very specifically. So, you know, we're going to find out either it's true or not. Very specific. I don't think it's a valid rip on his team to say, show me the evidence. The evidence for the circumstantial evidence for the ballot harvesting and the mail-in ballot fraud is clear as a bell. Now, the other thing is, you know, with the software, yeah, I mean, they got to show it. But again, I'm not saying they're necessarily going to succeed in showing it, and they're necessarily even right. But what I'm saying is, if they are, you're not going to find that now, and they're not going to divulge that before the court case. That's obvious. So when Tucker goes off on Sidney Powell saying, oh, you didn't present it to me. Well, your show is not a court of law. I mean, you know, first of all, it reeks of just... I don't know. I mean, the self-absorbed nature that like he's the arbiter of that. Yeah, I'm frustrated they haven't communicated with us either. But what do you want from them? If they really did have a case, it would be irresponsible and reckless to adjudicate it on on Tucker's show. So I think he was I, I really even if you believe. See, he's trying to play this game like I like almost like me where, look, I'm independent. I'm not going to carry anyone's water. I'm going to speak the truth. And I agree with that. And if you believe that they're lying about their allegations, it's fine. But you don't know that yet. And just the fact that she doesn't want to come on your show when this is all so legal in nature and undermine the court case, it's just that that's a ridiculous argument. Hold your judgment. If they don't show it for the next few weeks, then fine. I don't mind being an independent voice and saying, look, you know, I'm going to call them out for it. The timing of the way he did it, unfortunately, in my mind, reeks of what a lot of you see, which is that Fox has gotten to him. And this is part of being on Team Fox, and this is where they are now. Some of it might might also be that Tucker wants to be the leader of of MAGA and look beyond Trump and look, you know... (laughs) Of all people, I will tell you, I am very much for looking for a movement, not a cult of personality of an individual, and I'm for moving beyond one person. But what he's doing is undermining that very cause, because this is not about Trump. We know there is systemic fraud. See, this is the problem with all these people. They, a lot of them, especially if you're Tucker, you recognize what they are willing to do to lie and cheat. Look at what they're doing with the COVID data. Look at what they're doing to our lives that's even more consequential than elections. I would never put this past them. But they want everything so neat and perfect and expeditious. It doesn't work that way. We don't have that ability. Now, with that said, there's truth at the same time that there's incompetence. Folks at Powerline discovered this in one of the affidavits. And these are generally good guys. I know Paul Myringoff, 
you know, generally they're they're not coming from the same place where National Review is. And they're like, look, you know, we're sympathetic to this. But when you list a bunch of um, areas, a bunch of townships in Michigan that had more than 100% voter turnout or, or votes cast relative to uh, registered votes, it turns out all those townships were not in Michigan. <laughs> they were in Minnesota. Now, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, I think there was tremendous fraud in Minnesota. But, I mean, that that's a huge no-no. I mean... You might even be right, and I think I think it's true anyway. There are places in Michigan that had that, but the ones they're listing, it's just it's just not true. It's in Minnesota. Unless some of you have an answer to that, I mean, that's a very big problem. But again, I mean, when when you're engaged in a battle, this is what I always hate. Like you have one side that is destroying democracy, and then you have a ragtag army that's trying to do everything they can to fight, and they might make a mistake in the process. And then you'll have people on our side like, yeah, you can't do that. Well, like, I get that. And and I'm all, you know, you know me. I'm not in the tank for Trump, and I never was. Um, I'm in the tank for constitutionalism. And I'm just going to call it as I see it. But at the end of the day, like, you never hear these people calling flags on the other side. That's what bothers me. Like, oh, it's dangerous. You're alleging this stuff. It, it undermines democracy. And, and and declaring yourself North Korea doesn't? I don't even know if Maduro in Venezuela is instituting some of the stuff that, that these governors are. So that's the story with that. And, and look, we know there is, there is tremendous fraud. Tremendous fraud. So time will tell. Here's part of the problem we have, folks. I want to share a thought with you. The reason why we've gone so far as a country with such deep division without reaching an inflection point. Like, how, how has it gone on this far that the left is able to do so many crazy things, but we haven't really had a civil war over it, even, even, a, even a non-shooting civil war? And that's because of the, of the GOP, because of Joni Ernst, because of all these people. Because typically, naturally, if you have half the country that believes one way, and I would argue it's not even half the country that believes in the all-left, it's maybe 20%. Typically, you would have representatives and politicians represent your share of the view just as emphatically and viscerally as the other side has their politicians. But you don't. So typically, you would cross swords at some point. Because one side wouldn't take it anymore and would confront them. But this hasn't happened. So they get away with it and they get away with it and they get away with it. I mean, look, we saw this yesterday with the task force. Under a Trump administration, Burks and Fauci were allowed to get up there and spew just demonstrably false information and data and fascism. That is literally indistinguishable from what Biden would do. I mean, Biden has said he would keep them. This is the problem we have. It's under our banner that this stuff is being promoted. So you don't reach that point of inflection. You don't cross the swords. In some ways, I think a Biden presidency will force this more. 
Not that I want it, but I'm just I'm just saying like this is part of the problem. So when you actually are down and out and you're suffering from what the left is doing to you, but they've only been able to get that far because we've allowed it, it's going to take a while to disentangle that. So that that I think is an important perspective here. I also do want to share with you and we might have a guest on next week to discuss this. Um, the, the guy that they're alleging that Sidney Powell is alleging, well, not alleging. I mean, I think it's, it's a sworn affidavit talking about the software from Venezuela. Captain Leami Salazar, he was the head of security for Chavez. That is a legitimate guy. I mean, he is the real deal. He was I'm saying it's not a made up name. He was Chavez's head of security. He defected to the U S in 2014, um, the FBI and DEA has worked with him since then on drug-related stuff with Venezuela. I'm saying he's a known quantity to them. So it's not like they're pulling this guy out of out of some sort of hat. That is legitimate. Um, this stuff legitimately did go on in Venezuela and several other Latin American companies um, with this whole program. Now, it, is it fully related to Dominion? And ours, that's what they're going to have to prove. But I'm just saying the foundation for it is is 100% true. That this stuff has gone on in Latin America. And this guy who is willing to testify um, was the head of security under Chavez before he died. And then under Maduro, he he fled. And um, again, he's he's known to, to the feds for, for many years by now. So that's something we'll get into a little bit more next week, hopefully. It's going to be a shorter week, but hopefully we'll have time for that. But folks, like, this this is what bothers me all the time. It's like, people only get hyped up about elections or candidates. And I, and I guess it makes sense because it's a cult of personality. But like, why are we not out in the streets with what they're doing to our children? I mean, think about it. We are damaging a generation of school children. And it's not just school. It's you're, you're psychologically and emotionally abusing in the most profound way the future of your country. We have mayors that could get up there, governors get up there. You can, you, you, schooling of your children is done. Like what? Uh, where's your evidence? I mean, like like what? Huh? Uh, like what are you what are you talking about? It's not spreading. Like. They're trying to say, oh, schools, it's like a mass gathering, hundreds of students and teachers. The rate of infection in schools is actually less than the community rate. Not only is it not contributing much more to the spread, it's less. You would expect any mass gathering would be disproportionately you know, infected relative to the general population. And this is the ultimate mass gathering, and it's, it's nothing. Cuomo, I mean, Cuomo's own data, he tested 140,000 students, abused them. Just 0.23% were found to be positive in the largest city in the country. And obviously, they were all asymptomatic or extremely mild anyway, much less than what they get from the flu. So in other words, and because the the COVID boxes out the flu, the flu has totally disappeared. What are we seeing? We're actually seeing a situation in our schools 
that is healthier than a typical year. How could you do that to children? I mean, this is everywhere now. It's universal. It's consensus. Even with the mass fall spread in the communities, the kids aren't having a problem. And and to the extent you find cases in schools, they're not clusters of spread in the schools. They're just a reflection of they got it from their home because it's in the community. If anything, you have them more with each other, with other kids, rather than with adults in their home, they're less likely to get it. The European Center of Disease Prevention and Control, it's the European CDC. In July, they conducted an assessment of 31 countries where schools were open. They concluded that, quote, child-to-child transmission in schools is uncommon, not the primary cause of SARS-CoV-2 infection of children whose infection onset coincides with the period during which they are attending school, but it's not coming from there. It's coming from the home. This is the thing. Emily Oster, economics professor at Brown University. She has a dashboard monitoring about 9 million school children in thousands of schools. The case rate in the community nationwide now is 21 per 100,000. It's 17 per 100,000 among school children. In New York, the rate is 13 in the community, 12 among school staff, and 8 among school children. The Dutch government, you know, you want to talk about the teachers. The Dutch government, because Netherlands opened their schools earlier than anyone else in May, they actually found that there was a lower rate of infection among teachers. They they, uh, studied 44,000 teachers. They found those teachers had a cumulative infection rate of just 0.7%, much lower than the 2% rate of adults tested in the same testing lanes over the same period. And as we said before, because teachers like parents my age, kind of in your 30s, you have young kids, you actually get that umbrella of cross uh, partial immunity from children of having gotten their coronavirus colds before. UNICEF, the UN's children fund of all places, they had a report using data from 191 countries to show absolutely zero correlation between schools remaining open and increased viral spread. Quote, this is a comprehensive report. Schools are not a main driver of community transmission. Children are more likely to get the virus outside of school settings. Disruptions to key service and soaring poverty rates pose the biggest threat to children. The longer the crisis persists, the deeper its impact on children's education, health, nutrition, and well-being. The future of an entire generation is at risk. So while there is zero benefit to closing schools in terms of the virus, a virus that to begin with, even if they get it, it's not a problem. On the flip side, CDC, a lot of you have seen this last week, they released an analysis showing 31% increase in mental health-related ER visits among children 12 to 17 since the lockdowns began in March. And even a 24% increase in ER visits, mental health visits, among children as young as 5 to 11. God have mercy. CDC wrote, many mental disorders commence in childhood and mental health concerns in these age groups might be exacerbated by stress related to the pandemic and abrupt disruptions to daily life. 
associated with mitigation efforts, including anxiety, bad English, illness, social isolation, and interrupted connectedness to school. Folks, this is the most evil thing that has ever been done. Lockdowns will be recorded by history is the greatest mistake, the most illegal, illogical, immoral mistake of all time. And the school closures will be remembered as the gravest mistake of those lockdowns. <laughs> and again, like, there's no rebellion. There's no rebellion. I, I, I can't, I can't get beyond this. It's just utterly bizarre at how there's no rebellion to this. And th- this is where we need to go. If you believe a government can't steal an election or officials on the left couldn't do that and wouldn't do that based on what they are doing. Again, to steal an election to just get in power and kind of like do your thing to me is much less severe than to even win an election legitimately and violate the Constitution and destroy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is not even... More people are going to have heart attacks. More people, When you talk about the mental and emotional health of an entire generation of children, that is such a civilization killer. You could never even quantify that in any analysis. And folks, speaking of third world countries, you know what's funny? Why is it that in, in, in other countries we're finding more respect for the constitutional rights, God-given natural law, that was first recognized in the United States. Portuguese, this is from uh, an Indian media outlet, Great Game India. Portuguese court rules PCR tests as unreliable and unlawful to quarantine people. The Portuguese court. Portuguese appeals court has ruled that PCR tests are unreliable and that it is unlawful to quarantine people based solely on a PCR test. The court stated that the test reliability depends on the number of cycles used and the viral load present. The court concludes that if someone is tested by PCR is positive when a threshold of 35 cycles or higher is used, the probability that said person is infected is less than 3%. The probability that said result is false is 97%. The court further notes that the cycle threshold used for the PCR test currently being made in Portugal is unknown. The threshold cycles used in PCR tests in India is between 37 and 40 which makes the reliability of the PCR test less than 3% positive. So a court is actually recognized, like, you can't just create phony data and based on that, say, hey, you know, screw you, we're locking you down. Like, this is what we're doing. Portugal. (laughs) But not America. No, we only have court rulings on behalf of of, of illegal aliens, MS-13 members, and criminals. We need a revolution. Not that, not that you and I are revolutionaries. It's that we've had a revolution for the last number of years and decades, but really accelerating the last number of years, last couple of years. So we need a counter-revolution to the revolution. We can't just sit back and like, now, now, look, we got to be careful. We got to put on, put on our turning signal. Like, wh- wh- what do you want us to do here? Like, <laughs> we're running out of time. We don't have a democracy left. Are you undermining our democracy? Are you retarded or something? Are you not paying attention? Do you not have a life? 
Or maybe you have such a cushy job that you could work at home and you know somehow your kids are okay or maybe you don't have kids. Especially these like homosexual yuppie tech workers. You know, so I guess they don't have their kids. So, you know, they're earning $150,000, $200,000 at home, getting their Amazon packages, working less without having to commute. I guess maybe they're enjoying it. Stay home, engage in their sodomy, porn, whatever they do. Maybe it doesn't bother them what's going on in the country. But to real people, this is a problem. This is a problem from which we will not be able to recover. Make no mistake about it. And folks, I want to say, never undersell your ability to, to study issues and pick up on certain findings that other people won't. You know, last night, a group of us met with um, a very prominent epidemiologist. I'm not talking about Scott Atlas. I won't tell you who it is, but um, very prominent guy. And he was like, you know, I get a lot of stuff from you guys. You guys are really catching stuff that other people aren't. And, and you know, he was very humble about it and made the point that, like, all these people with these degrees and everything, they're, they're just dumb. They don't know anything. Stuff that's just demonstrably false. So those of you who send me emails, again, I don't always have time to see everyone, but, you know, when you have analysis of whether it's the election fraud, whether it's COVID analysis, whether it's crime analysis... And you think, well, I don't know. I mean, I must be missing something if no one else is saying it. Believe me, I've, I've seen that plenty of times. I've been in that position plenty of times. There's so many things that I'm the first one to pick up on. And there's so many things that I don't pick up on. And, you, and one of you will send me an email. And I'm like, wow, that, that's a really good thought. Iron sh- sharpens iron. As it says in uh, Proverbs. And God created each of us in the image of God with a unique face, which is now being depreciated and repudiated and defiled with the Chinese diapers, but each with with their own intellect. And you put people together, which is why I'm such a big fan of, I I really think we need to have like delegates go to a, a constitutional convention together. Not in a legal sense, but in a political sense. And, and just brainstorm what what we can and should be doing to achieve some of these goals of getting the red states and red counties on board declaration of rights sanctuaries and yeah i mean i think we need to go from there that's what needs to be done here because we cannot go on like this we already are a third world country that's what we're missing Oh, could this possibly happen in America? Like, you don't need to speculate about what we don't know and what we may or may not find out. And hopefully we're going to get to the bottom of this. And hopefully it won't be brushed under the rug. Oh, Daniel, I really hope. Come on. I really hope for our sake. There's nothing like this could happen in America. (laughs) Well, dude, we got North Korea here. What we have with COVID fascism is much worse. And again, you want to talk about a third world country. We can go over to crime. The other big issue. Where is this? Um, It's the Wall Street Journal. Ben Chapman wrote this Wall Street Journal. Shootings in New York City have nearly doubled this year, while arrests have plummeted. From January 1st through Sunday, the city has recorded 1,359 shootings, an increase of nearly 95% from 698 the same period last year, according to NYPD data. 
Meanwhile, arrests for major crimes have fallen by nearly 13%, driven by drops for every major category except burglaries, car thefts, and gun-related crimes. I mean, this is what's happening everywhere. The mayor in Cleveland is like, violent crime in Cleveland is the second pandemic. Yeah, the first being COVID fascism, not the virus, but the fascism. The second being the crime. So I'm glad he, I'm glad the liberal mayor of Cleveland recognizes what I recognize is that we have a twindemic. You know, they talk about a twindemic with the flu and COVID, which isn't true because COVID boxed out the flu and we don't have flu. It's down 98% this year so far. But the twindemic we do have is anarchy and tyranny. And folks, that is the hallmark of a third world country. Houston. This is in Texas. This is not, you can't blame it on the blue state. In 2010, they had a clearance rate of 87% of murders. So clearance rate is the measure they use is you know to solve a case. So ostensibly, 87% of murder cases were solved. By 2017, it was down to 58%. An internal audit this year found that 51 cases weren't even assigned to investigators. This is what's happening. Like, to me, the anarchy and the crime and the tyranny and the COVID fascism is 10 times worse than even election fraud, which is terrible. But we've had it on some level since our founding. That's my point here. This is not to say we shouldn't get to the bottom of the election fraud. We absolutely must. But what I'm just telling you is some of the details, you know, it's speculation. We don't know. We don't know. Are they going to produce the evidence? Who's lying? We'll find that out. But right now, we know what's happening with the anarchy and tyranny. They're not exactly very bashful about promoting the tyranny. They're very out and open. It's like it's like um, in Ohio, finally, the legislature is, you know, crafting legislation for the current session in January to limit the power of the governor's to create emergency authority. And this is something that needs to be done in every state and needs to be every grassroots organization needs to be on their legislators to do this. This is the civil rights issue of our time. The notion that a governor could declare an emergency and rule over our lives indefinitely without any oversight. And DeWino is like, I'm vetoing that. You can't take that authority from me. So I'm saying, <laughs> like, imagine if imagine if a guy got up there and said, like, you know, let's say Biden's team actually... I shouldn't imagine Biden literally said that we have the best election fraud team around. He actually said that, but, um, you know, officially it was, it was just one of his flubs and he misspoke officially. It's probably a Freudian slip, but I'm saying, let's say someone gets up their face value Biden or someone from his team and they're like, you know, yeah, you know, we, we stole the election. Here's what we did. We, we, uh, forged signatures. We had dominion, uh, software, uh, have a certain algorithm to make sure that the right votes were in the right places. And yeah, I mean, this is what we need to do. We we can't have Trump as president. Our country can't survive. It's a public health safety threat. And this is what we needed to do. I mean, can you imagine if they came out like that? And you'd be like, you'd, 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 you'd fall over and have a heart attack. Like, how how could that happen? That's what they're telling us blatantly. Every governor is like, yeah, this is what you're doing. You don't have constitutional rights. Like, you know, this is public safety this is what we got to do. Like, shut up. If I hear you talking about it, I'll have you arrested. And we're okay with that. 
the governing fraud is worse than the election fraud, which is pretty bad. We already are a banana republic. That's why I have no problems about throwing bombs and worrying about us undermining the system or being too revolutionary because we already have that. We already have disorder. We already have anarchy. We're fighting for our lives now. I'm sick of playing by a narrow set of rules while the other side has no rules whatsoever. Now, I'm not saying we're going to lie and say and, you know, promulgate, you know, things that just simply aren't true like the other side does. We don't need to because what's going on is true. So we're going to get to the bottom of this over time. But this is the broad perspective that our side is missing. Although I wouldn't even call them our side. And I just want to note one more thing on this third world country we become and how corrupt our government is. This is from the New York Post. WHO advises against Gilead's remdesivir for all hospitalized COVID-19 patients. And um, basically, we, we talked about this yesterday, but based on the study they did, the panel found a lack of evidence that remdesivir improved outcomes that matter to patients such as reduced mortality, need for mechanical ventilation, time to clinical improvement, and others. So, folks, we we have in this country... Our governmental institutions, like a third world country, because they're in the back pocket of the pharmaceuticals, they are pushing obsessively and bankrupting us to pay for it. A drug that doesn't work, that even the WHO is saying doesn't work, that they found doesn't work. And they're they're literally stifling information on stuff that's like natural. Hydroxychloroquine and vitamin D and vitamin C. And other stuff that that has been, you know, zinc that's proven to work. I mean, that's that's the hallmark of a third world country. Oh my gosh, could you imagine that they would like lie about elections and steal elections? Could you imagine they would lie about public health and lie about drugs and basically start banning something that works and saves lives while working to um just promote with taxpayer funding paying off their cronies for a drug that doesn't work that's where we are that's where we are folks now i want to end off reading an email from a listener here but i just want to go over a couple of uh just i'm just going to run down some end of week things There's a great article you should read at American Greatness titled Rural Oregon Counties Want to Secede from State to Join Greater Idaho. These are the conversations we need to start having, and I like this type of stuff. Um, What sounded crazy in the past, I mean, what is going on is crazy, so we need a dramatic response. Now, I would argue you first have to make Idaho great again (laughs) in order for the blue state or red counties and blue states to break off and join them, but this is all part of that. It's all part of that movement. There's also a group of of New Mexico sheriffs that have gotten together, the New Mexico Sheriffs Association, that they basically pledged that we're going to protect American rights. I think they're primarily referring to Second Amendment, but you know this could also apply to COVID fascism. So again, I mean, this is really where we need to head. This is what we need to prepare for. And remember, I mean, this is not even presupposing that Trump's going to fail with this 
challenge and who, you know, if Biden's going to be president, because as we saw yesterday with the press conference with Fauci and Perks, clearly we need that even with him as president. And we're going to have the state fascism no matter what. So that's another thing. Um, another deal, CBP made 69,000 uh, announced yesterday. I'm sorry, let me take it slowly. It's not yesterday. Uh, this is the October border numbers, and they came out pretty late in the in November. So this is a while ago. Um, I'm sure it's a lot worse now. 69,000 arrests at the border last month. That is a 21% increase from the previous month. And it's the highest total for the month of October since 2005. So we got the border issue coming up as well. And that is that is not going to get better. So that's another thing to watch. Um, our, our friends at AIER, um, the only organization that I know of is a think tank that's been fighting lockdowns. They have a great cost of lockdowns uh, uh, analysis cost report. Maybe we'll go over that a little bit next next week. But I want to end here with this email from a listener. I think it ties together a lot of what we're talking about um, socially, politically, um, just the destruction of our children and the work that's cut out for us where we need to head. It's from Josh in Iowa. I'm writing to you to illustrate yet another example of how the COVID cult has infected even the reddest rural areas of America and there is nowhere Freedom-loving patriots can go to flee from the tyranny sweeping the nation. My sister is a teacher at a small school in rural Iowa, a county Trump carried by more than 34 points in 2020, and it's and it continues to trend even redder. She came to me about an extremely problematic student who has forced one of her peer teacher's kids to transfer, tra- transfer schools because this kid was threatening, bullying him. He threw a padlock at the kid's teeth on camera with several witnesses, but only received a brief lunch detention, beat the crap out of another teacher's kid at a basketball game, also on video, created a fake girl's, a uh, fake social media account of a freshman girl and uploaded explicit photos of her, yet received no punishment. He is also known to torture animals, constantly carries a gigantic duffel bag around school property, um, she and other teachers are petrified as to what this student may do as he has an undiagnosed condition where he hears voices, is known to be on drugs, and has a long history of violence, yet the school administ- administrators do nothing. Why am I telling you all of this? All of the things she and other teachers have experienced are completely benign and not problematic, according to school administrators. But what is extremely problematic and worthy of suspension and removal from school? Not wearing a damn mask. She has vented to me many times about the insane, fascistic ferocity with which school administrators have enforced the mask mandate. They started school several weeks late this year at a school with no air conditioning, yet everyone must wear masks 24-7 even when temperatures often exceeded 90 degrees in her classroom. Now they are telling all the teachers that the first offense for the crime of students not wearing a mask will result in a two-week suspension and a second offense results in immediate removal from in-person learning and forced remote learning. She and most other teachers are not trained or equipped to teach online, yet they're being forced to do both as students with absent parents are not sending their kids to school and they're um, falling further behind. As you can imagine, these are the kids who need in-person learning more than anyone else. 
and are now failing classes, being held back grades. Even her fellow teachers are tattling on one student in particular who cannot wear a mask because she has a severe medical condition. They are asking the superintendent to kick her out of in-person schooling because she physically cannot wear a mask. I used to wonder how Nazi Germany happened, but now I get it. This is so sick, wrong, and maddening. I don't even know what to say anymore. Where do we go to get away from this? How do we stop it? She feels helpless, and so do I. Your show has constantly been a bright spot in my life, and I want to thank you for that. And yada yada. Well, thank you, Josh, for sharing that with us. And um, look, (laughs) I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I mean, we could sit and talk about the Democrats all we want. But at the end of the day, there are well over 2,000 counties in this country that are squarely red counties. And yet, you tell me. I mean, Tell me which county do I go to to escape this? And why? Why do we not have one? That that is our challenge. This rises beyond Biden or Trump or even election fraud. This speaks to the perfidy of this phony, failed conservative movement that's not and never was conservative. And it speaks to the need to look very much beyond that limited box of tools that we've been using until now. And again, it obviously starts, no matter what we do, on really training our fire locally. This is where this is going to be run. Run and won. With the sheriffs, the school boards. Culturally, we have to start cross-shaming them for abusing children. The data is all there. This is going to become a passion of mine. Fighting back against child abuse. And it's something I want to share with the few governors and state legislators that are willing to to listen. But ultimately, we're going to have to force our will on them. And again, I mean, it's going to take prayer, God's guidance, a bunch of people getting together. But I think I think we're on the cusp. Something is going to burst this. I don't know what. But it's going to happen. I'm going to need a weekend to cool off. You're going to need a weekend to let your blood pressure uh, subside after listening to this show. Thanks for another terrific week. Thanks for sending this show to all your friends and relatives and really growing our audience and our advertisers. This is all we can do. This is all we have left is that bare minimum freedom of speech try to organize and restore our republic restore godly values and return to freedom and liberty in our traditions have a terrific weekend god bless y'all and thank you for listening